You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Boston Loose Baseball, Episode 6. Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye, producer, Darius Dameron. On this episode, we're going to be breaking down Steven Strasburg's rehab start in Fredericksburg. We were on the road as a podcast. Also, you'll hear from top prospect Brady House. Caught up with him ahead of that Strasburg rehab assignment in Fredericksburg. And we will get to the bottom of what's good and what's bad with the Washington Nationals this week. All coming up on Boston Loose Baseball. It starts right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball. Grant, Danny, and Darius with you today. Danny, how are you? Doing very well, my friend. I'm jealous. You were in Fredericksburg last night as we taped this here on a Wednesday. You had your fan hat on. You had your scouting hat on. You had your Bustin' Loose Baseball and Grant and Danny host hat on last night. You're on the big board in Frederick, Fredericksburg, rather. You were a celebrity down there. Well, I had my Chase Gus around with my daughter hat on, too. I saw more of Gus than I saw of Steven Strauss. Well, that's a good hat. I'll let you know that I saw a few pitches of Strauss, a few fewer than I would have liked, but there was a lot of Gus in my life. He is the mascot at Fredericksburg. So they say that Gus is George Washington's imaginary friend. That's his backstory. And if you haven't seen a picture of him, I want you to do that right now. Google Gus mascot Fred Nats. He is one of the creepiest looking little guys ever. He's very nice, very good mascot when you actually get to know him, as my daughter has. And she always wants to go to Fredericksburg. She's got bobbleheads. She's got dolls that she sleeps with. She is a Gus Mark. So we saw Gus last night, Danny, in the first inning, in the second inning, in the fourth inning, and in the sixth inning on her way out of the ballpark. That's too much Gus. I mean... Just generally for me, that's too much. One time, hey, there he is. Okay, now the game. Again, remember Steven Strasburg? It's so many more years and so much money. It's really important that he's good. I need to see this. A lot of Gus. Uh, so you want to break down on Gus? Do we, we need to talk about him anymore? I, I think we could do a subsequent podcast, okay. and I'll tell you when we're recorded. We're recorded tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., so you show up and just wait for me to start it, and you can just start talking about Gus at, at that point. The Gus cast. Do you want to yeah. know what I ate, what we ordered at the game? Of course I we do. We can do that. We can start there. Okay, so uh, we got there. First of all, I drove down with our uh, one of our other producers on our Grant and Danny show, Ryan. So we were on 95, and a truck broke down. So for three miles from exit 163 to 160, it took an hour and five minutes. But then after we got past the broken down truck at exit 160, right at the site of the potential new home of the Washington Commanders, uh, then it took... Very little time. We were going 75 miles an hour straight down to Fredericksburg. We made the business decision because we were doing our show from 2 to 6.30 ahead of the game. We're going to be there all day. Obviously, there's nothing open hours and hours before the game to get some lunch. So we decided to get sheets. So I got myself a sub. 
He got himself some uh, boneless wings, and we ate that in the press box as we set up for the show. Did the show from 2 to 6.30, went down during the show at one point, and talked to Brady House. Uh, We're going to get into that in a second. But during the actual game, we ate Chick-fil-A sandwiches. That ain't bad. How about that? They have a Chick-fil-A in the ballpark. My wife went and just got a bag full of sandwiches and brought them back, and we just pummeled those until they were all gone. Then, a little bit later on, my daughter wanted ice cream, and that means she gets ice cream. And so we went and got ice cream for her. I bet it means dad gets ice cream, too. Well, the dad didn't get any ice cream, but the dad did do something. He got what I'll call like funnel cake fries. Okay. Which are like. You'll call them that because that's what they are. <laughs> well, I don't know what the name of them is. They had funnel cakes and they had like the funnel cake fries next to them. Okay. So I got those and then I said, they handed them to me and I said, would you mind putting a little powdered sugar on those? Oh. And then the 16 uh, year old girl behind the counter looked at me like, you fat tub of goo. And then she put the sugar on there and she We was know like, the look, by the way. We've yeah. all received it. But she's like, here you go, sir. And I was like, here you go, slob. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's like, I hope I never look like you. And hands them over to me. And uh, I consumed some of those. I didn't eat, you know, honestly, I didn't eat them all. Uh, you're going to be happy and proud of me. Hey. I ate a few, but it was a lot of chasing my daughter around and doing stuff like that. But I had some. I did. So that was what I ate at the game. Uh, now to the stuff that people care about. We want to talk Strauss first or Brady House first? Strauss first. This to me is, it, like, I am so hyper laser focused on all things Strasburg. Yeah. So Steven Strasburg needs some time in the minor leagues. Let's start with that. Uh, I was told by one of the Nats front office folks there, and I had the opportunity to talk to several members of the team's brass and watch a half inning or so with you know one of their top lieutenants. It's going to be another three starts for him, at least in the minor leagues. If I had to guess, I bet you he'll be in Fredericksburg on Sunday. So don't hold me to it, but there's a real good chance he's pitching there again on Sunday. They could bump him up a level, I suppose. But if you're in that area listening to the podcast, might be worth thinking about getting a ticket uh, to that game. I am guessing, best case scenario, this is if everything goes well. He throws on Sunday. Then he would throw again on Friday, I think that is. And then five days later, he'd work again. After the five-day rest there, he could make his first start in the big leagues. But there is a lot of stuff that needs to happen between now and then. Uh, he's not, you know, in terms of the, the mechanics and the, the development of of kind of getting back, he's not coming, you know, and talking to one of the uh, folks that was watching him last night. They don't like kind of what he's, how he's transferring his weight to the front side on the, the release. What I noticed was he had absolutely no feel for his breaking stuff yet. And that makes sense, right? Don't, don't they say, oh, you know this. You're, absolutely. Like that's the last thing to come. Yeah. Isn't that the old saying? Yeah. The, the touch, feel, command, coming back from an injury. I mean, you, we usually associate this with Tommy John guys, right? Where you're basically relearning to grip a baseball again. Like the, a simple action of taking your, you could do it right now as you're listening. Take your thumb and touch it to your middle finger. That's intuitive. That's a normal thing for everybody to do. You would grip a million things like that, right? A pencil, something like that. When you've had your arm cut open in the middle, uh, and that fulcrum point, that middle thing, that stress bearer that is in that elbow, relearning how to do that with any kind of strength and learning how to do it hard, soft, hard enough that you're still holding the thing but not squeezing the life out of it, etc. It's a really underrated challenge. Then, by the way, have pinpoint control. If you change a millimeter in terms of an angle of where the ball comes off your middle finger slash pointer finger, 
you know, short over five feet, it doesn't matter. Over 10 feet, it doesn't. Over 20 feet, it starts to. Then you get to 60, and just the slightest quarter of a millimeter turn one way or the other is a ball by a foot and a half. Yeah. And these guys have to be so pinpoint, calculating for, you know, their own movement of pitches. And again, just having that kind of command, it's a really hard thing to sort of relearn. So that's absolutely the last thing that usually comes. So that to me was just, you don't have to be a scout. That was really obvious. I was told before the start, it was going to be a lot of change ups, and it certainly was. And, the way it was described to me was that that's supposedly the feel pitch. Like, that is the pitch that, with that injury, they wanted him to, to basically get the feel to for. To major in, yeah. So he threw a lot of those, and, and the really good ones were damn good. I mean, he was getting swings and misses, and as you'd imagine, making some A-ball hitters look foolish occasionally. The line was what it was. Kind of going into the start, I thought he'd get hit pretty hard. Because he's. it's almost like spring training, except... You're not healthy and it's spring training, you know, or you're not right. all the way back in that he wasn't there to go shut that lineup down. If his job was don't give up a run for three innings, he probably could have found a way to do that last night. His job was get better, you know, fit, find a way to, to throw 60 pitches and let's see how you feel tomorrow. That, but also like throw change ups and, and find your breaking ball and the stuff that you haven't done a lot of that you don't feel good about. Like do that in a game while 6,000 people are watching a record at Fredericksburg's ballpark, which you haven't been there, you should go check out. Uh, so it was kind of what I expected. I, I maybe a little bit worse in that, you know, the line ended up being he walked four, I think, he gave up three hits, he gave up the three runs. Um, he had very little command, which is expected. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't necessarily expect was how little control he had. People use those terms interchangeably, and it's a pet peeve of mine. It's always annoyed me. Baseball people do this as much as just random people do. But command versus control are two very different things. Control, I always say, is like walks. You know, that's throw. If you have control, you throw the ball over the plate in the strike zone. It's balls versus strikes. That's control to me. Command is then actually locating within the strike zone. Command is hitting the mitt. Command is throwing to a quadrant. I want the ball low and away, and it's low and away. You could throw strikes. You can miss in the strike zone a lot, and you could have no command because, you know, my catcher's mitt is bottom of the strike zone, and I missed at the top of the strike zone. That's a bad thing to do. I mean, it's a strike. If he swings and misses, great. But not only did he not have the command, which I expected, there was little control as well. So we're going to see what happens here. I was told at least three more starts. My timeline, this is completely speculative. I think we might see him in mid-June in the major leagues. And, I, and when I say mid-June, I don't mean like June 12th. I mean like June 20th. Like the, I'm targeting basically, as we talk today, it's May 25th. I would say almost a month, maybe a month from now. Like the, the, this week, the 20th to the 25th time frame would be about when I would be hopeful of getting him back in the big leagues based on what I saw last night. So a couple things on that. There are multiple processes, if that's even the right word, happening right now this minute. A strength buildup has to happen, right? Because this isn't a guy that was throwing seven innings every time out then is rehabbing from an injury that is now kind of working that back up. This is still the initial ramp up from surgery. This is no game action for an extended period of time, pretty much like a calendar year going back. So that has to happen. The the um going through the you know necessary soreness, recovery, the running, all your 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 job exercises with the small weights and your bands and your stretching. That all that stuff has to happen. There is no rushing that period in the story. The next thing that has to happen is also from a process standpoint when it comes to that command, touch, feel type stuff that you're talking about. That has to return for you to get out to the major leagues. You could go through a high school lineup right now just throwing, you know, 92, 
with a change up that falls off the table and you get a, a much bigger zone because it's high school kids. Well, at the higher levels, as you go up, it's it becomes about results. Last night, I don't care if he if he faced ten batters and give up ten homers. This is how does Steven Strasburg feel today? It's kind of like what you're majoring in at this point. But with the eyeball towards ramping up to get big league hitters out and going through a lineup two, three times, a lot of milestones have to be hit, and we're not close to them right now this minute. So your timeline makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and said another way, to use just a real-time comparison, so Joe Ross rehabbed on the same night last night, and he was in double-A at Harrisburg. And putting Strauss in Fredericksburg partially is probably convenience, and it's easy to get him down yeah, easy to drive down, yeah. But also, you know, it tells me maybe that Ross was a little bit closer or they felt better about the assignment of having some double-A hitters, which are some major league caliber guys, face him. Uh, want to talk Brady House, if you're good to move on, or anything else on Strasburg? No, I just, I think I think you covered it very well. The, the only thing I, I, I do wonder is... You mentioned some of the mechanical things that the the Nats exec was talking to you about. For, without getting too nitty-gritty into the weeds, comfort-wise, did Steven Strasburg look like he's just... Because you, you, you guys have watched this. You know the difference. Yeah, there wasn't what, like arm shaking. There yeah. wasn't tugging at his jersey. I mean, he kind of did look comfortable. I will say it was... I, I'm, I don't want to come off like I am... Um, Picking on Strauss or or calling him a jerk or anything. That's not my intention. But it was the most Strasburgy thing ever. In that, Steven Strasburg, like, he comes off the mound. He's done pitching. Mm-hmm. 6,000 people in this ballpark, first time ever. Packed house to see him. They're all here for you. Uh-huh. I mean, they've followed you around the park from your warm-ups to when you're running in the outfield and to everything that he's done. It's, you know, just like kids following around Peter Pan, right, on the, the, the Lost Boys. He comes off, and you would have thought he just threw a perfect game, complete shutout, like just yeah, right. massive ovation. Here comes our conquering hero. Not even a, a tip of the cap. Couldn't you know? Couldn't even couldn't muster, muster like it, yeah. a little wave. Like he was. That's not him, man. He 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 did not play a role. Like he is not here for your entertainment or your enjoyment. It was so Strasburgy. Well, the thing that I'm looking for here is the you know when it's good, you know when it's not good with Stras, right? When he's good. He's getting the ball. He's doing that thing where he turns his foot sideways and getting right back on the rubber, peering in for the sign. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of that. When it's not comfortable, it's 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 like a toddler on a hot night in bed, trying to fi- just fidgeting around and kicking the sheets off and putting them back on and smacking you in the face and just being really irritating to, to, to kind of be around while you're trying to rest. You know what it looks like on that spectrum. Yeah, where I, was I would say last it, night? it was actually more good than like to the to the first thing you mentioned. That's good. Like it wasn't fidgety or anything. But you know what I got the sense? I said to someone while we were watching, actually, I said it just kind of feels like we're watching a glorified bullpen session. To be honest with you, which yeah. in his mind, I'm sure is exactly what it was. Like six thousand people or nobody doesn't matter to me. You can come watch me get my work in if you want to. A ball lineup or not. Like, he's been throwing these simulated games in anonymity where nobody's around to see it and and nobody's watching. And to me, that's kind of what this was. It just felt like there there was no discomfort because I I don't think, like, in his mind, there's guys on second and third right now. I'm not, like, trying to get out of a jam. I'm just trying to get this change-up located or, you know, I'm trying to— to do whatever I came here to do. Mm-hmm. I think if he would have given up 10 runs in an inning, it doesn't change at all how he feels as he gets in his car and heads back up 95. Makes good um, sense. So I want to transfer now to Brady House, and I want to introduce it this way. 
on Grant's Instagram account, I believe at Grant H. Paulson on the Instagrams, you took several pictures from last night. One of you on the big board. There's a video of uh, Madam President, your daughter, chasing uh, Gus around. There are two pictures of Brady House. And I had to do a double take each time. Brady House is at the plate. There's a catcher and an umpire. And it looks like the whole scene is set up and nobody should be doing anything because there's no pitcher on the mound. Right. Because Brady House is so massive, he is obscuring the entire body of the pitcher. That's how I'm introducing the Brady House discussion. Yeah, yeah. And and to pick up kind of there, my takeaway first and foremost just physically is 6'4", 215 doesn't really give you the full vibes. Like So the way it worked was they bring us down from the press box area, they meaning uh, the, the PR director there who was helping us out, Eric, and he brings down uh, myself and, and Ryan who was producing. And I was just going to record the interview on my phone so we're not lugging any gear or whatever. And he brings us around. We're walking down the, the, the fair foul line in left field past third base all the way out toward the bullpen on the outfield grass. It was pretty cool, actually, because Jackson Rutledge, who's one of their top pitching prospects, was out in the outfield. And he's long tossing. He's also a giraffe, by the way. Uh, he's 6'8". Six, 6'8", six, six, yeah. you know, so he's just chucking the ball further than I can ever throw. If you, if you let me throw the ball, go pick it up and throw it again. With like a couple of humpback, just long tosses. I'm not able to throw it, and he's on a seed, you know, just throwing the ball pole to pole, essentially. So uh, so he's getting his working in the outfield. And they, he said, hey, wait here, I'll bring Brady out of the clubhouse. And the clubhouse is kind of back behind what I would say is like the left field corner. So he, he uh, Eric comes out, and he's got Brady House with him. And as soon as I looked at him, in my mind, I thought, well, this guy's never going to be a shortstop. I mean, I just, he's too big. Shortstops don't look like that. Now, he's actually handled himself adequately there, and there are some people who would like to see him stay there, I'm sure. But to me, he looks like when he's filled out, he's a third baseman. Like, I, I think the comp I'll give you is his shoulders are so big, and he's not filled out yet that it kind of looks like when there's like a really big puppy with huge feet, and you're like, oh, that dog's going to be massive. Like that's that's what that's all I could think about looking at Brady House standing next to him, him towering over me. Might as well have been doing an interview with a, a lucky fourth grader who was there to. I'd like to meet Mr. House today. Like it was it was it was awesome to catch up with him. And the other vibe I got from him again before we get into the baseball stuff, this dude gets it. You know he I think he's eighteen going on thirty. Like he's tatted up. He's got like an arm sleeve. Uh, how many 18-year-olds have that going for him? He's a California kid, real low-key like low key and chill, likes to fish, kind of does his own thing. I don't get the sense he's overly involved or on social media or following a whole lot of stuff in that regard. But he has done a lot of interviews. And I've interviewed him several times before over the years for um, my baseball stuff on MLB Radio because he was one of the top players in the country before last year's draft. So I, I kind of knew this going in. But you know, you interview an 18-year-old, which she's still 18 for another week or two, it seems like you're interviewing an 18-year-old a lot of the time. Not with him. Like, if he was in the Nats clubhouse tomorrow, until the game started, you wouldn't know the difference. He looks like he belongs in that clubhouse. He wouldn't be one of, he'd be one of the bigger guys in the clubhouse, to be honest with you. And he acts like, and he talks and conducts interviews like he belongs in that clubhouse. Which you may not care about, but I'm just telling you, having been around the block a while on the prospect front, like, those things can be big deals, too. And, uh, and we can get into the baseball here in a second, but those were my just kind of 
I can look at box scores all day long. I can look at stats. That was my first time getting to stand next to him, talk to him, shake his hand, and it, it, those are some of the takeaways. Well, that stuff matters that you just referred to. And again, we'll, we'll do some of the nitty-gritty baseball stuff in a moment. But that's maturity stuff. That's how do you handle a slump? How, you know, do we have to worry about you on the road? Are you, you know, doing everything you possibly can to keep your career as long as possible? Are you a guy that's, yeah, I can I can sweat it out when I get to the ballpark the next day and, and still be okay? Well, is it about being okay or about being the, the greatest? Are you are you going to be a superstar? Those sort of things that... that what um, the expectations and some of the pressures that weigh on some of these players, you want that's what they call. It. That's why they call it makeup. That's what they're sort of talking about here uh, when it comes to that, how you handle all the adversity, all the stuff that gets thrown at you and all the cushy treatment that big leaguers get. For some guys, it makes them lazy. Other guys, it's just you know something that you do on the way to being uh, a superstar and everybody handles it differently. So that stuff is appropriate. Um, give me a comp because to me, watching his swing, he's got a lot of Ian Desmond in his swing. That you know, that's not a great player comp, but just thinking about him and his actions at the plate reminds me so much of Desmond. He's just got that ungodly power. He's a bigger dude than Desmond. It isn't as fast, but is there somebody that he reminds you of? Well, I'll say from a looks standpoint, first and foremost, kind of like a less filled out Jason Worth almost in terms mm. of like a little bit, you know, for how big he is, I won't say lanky. But like when when he ends up filling out, I could see him with like that type of uh, a body type. Um, in terms of baseball, I mean, look, I think he's going to end up at third base. I think that there's a chance that he ends up hitting for a ton of power and ends up hitting for average along the way as well. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who's got the the hands that he's got because that to me, the quickness of his hands, the, how you know his wrists, the strength in the wrists, like those are the things you hear about. Um, I, I don't hate the Desmond swing thing, but from like a player profile, that doesn't work that well for me. Uh, comps are tough on the fly. Yeah. I got I got to think about that. For no, a I didn't second. mean to put you on the spot because the reason I brought it up was because I saw multiple highlights that the Nats have tweeted, and I go, like you, you know. Obviously, you can't close your eyes and watch it. But if you close your eyes, you, and you remember Ian Desmond swing, some of those left center, light tower power home runs that he hit at the major league level, and then you go, okay, put them side by side. The swing looks very similar to me, kind of an athlete in the box. So I've got one, and this was one that happened a lot before the draft, and I think this is actually a really good one. Uh, Chris Bryant would be my comp. Cubs MVP type, mm-hmm. you know, now playing obviously in Colorado at Coors Field. I, I could see that. I, like that. Body type, that power and batting average kind of ability. Um, I, I think there's some similarities to the swing. It's probably going to be a little bit of swing and miss, but I, that, that's I like that. I think Chris Bryant works. There have been some that have said Manny Machado as well, just because you know maybe could stay well, shortstop. You know but I the could hands, see that just based yeah. on the size because yeah. I remember interviewing Manny and thinking the same thing. But House to me. It, you know, I, I, Manny's not certainly not six four. Like he's bigger, and he's eighteen now. I know he's about to be nineteen, but you wonder could he grow a little bit more still? Like, mm. what if is he six four and a half in the end, and and two hundred and thirty pounds or something? Uh, big shortstops were a thing for a while, and still kind of are. But you know, the 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 one I can think of is like a you know Correa staying at short. Other than that, most of the time you're moving him off the position, and you got to be really good defensively. And I'm not sure if that's what the expectation is for him either. He had a ball last night um, that was stung, where he couldn't make a play. Um, big leagues, it's an out, and you know, he just it was almost like he tried to play it to the side on the backhand. 
Whereas maybe if you're in a little better position, you're able to get over mm-hmm. in front or a of you quicker. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's also you, it's it's your channel as an athlete too. If you think about this, like where is he best served offensively? And that may be getting bigger and stronger. That may yeah, be some of true. those fly balls that are you know warning track now carry out if you add ten pounds, fifteen pounds of muscle. Well, that's not conducive to picking balls at shortstop and arranging in the hole. You know, like so. You know, if you want to improve him defensively and make him a long term shortstop, you skinny him up, you quick him up. Well, that's not his game. His game is being, you know, putting bat to ball and having some of those balls carry out. So it's one of those things that how do you get the most out of the player in terms of development? Right now, I have no problem with him getting reps at shortstop. Um, a, you see if he can stay there. B, I yeah, think it's it, what it should be for now. Yeah, I think it helps everything else too. You know, and a, a lot of guys developmentally will, will say that. You know, everybody when you when you get to a, a college team, eighty percent of the guys were high school shortstops. You know, there's a reason for that. It's a lot of times the best athlete on the field. A lot of times the guy that was the most accomplished. But then you start to get specialized at a higher level and. Then you go to second, then you go to third, you go to left field, some play first base. His future it doesn't have to be determined right now defensively. Yeah, I think that's totally true. All right, so let's play this interview with Brady House, who was able to grab uh, at the ballpark in Fredericksburg. Now, producer Darris, you've got to fill people in. So at the very end, it seems like the rain got a hold of my phone a little bit, and it kind of botched some of my get-to-know Brady House questions. So those are unlistenable enough that it's not even worth posting, or should we post the whole thing, or what do you think? Uh, we'll, we'll get the first couple in. There's okay. a, the, fir- the first couple sound totally fine. And then yeah, it kind of fades off towards the end because of the rain. Darn rain, man. Yeah. It wasn't even raining hard. Like it was just kind of dripping, but I noticed it was hitting the phone a little bit as we were talking. All right. So this was Brady house in Fredericksburg ahead of getting to play behind world series MVP, Steven Strasburg. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zoom. Joined outside the clubhouse in Fredericksburg by the Nats' top prospect, Brady House, who's off to a great start hitting over 300 and putting on a show in Fredericksburg. I guess let's just start with the vibes today. I was just told this is going to be the, the biggest crowd they've ever had here at this stadium with Steven Strasburg rehabbing. What's it like in the clubhouse today? Is there any added juice for you guys? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all come in, come in here, you know, ready to play every single day, but... With a sold-out crowd tonight, I, I feel like everyone is a little more pumped than usual, so uh, we're ready to get going. This is part of the process, and a guy like you who's been on the showcase circuit and one of the top prospects at every age the last few years might not be as you know, wide-eyed as a lot of guys in the clubhouse with a star coming in, but when a World Series MVP is kicking it with you guys in Fredericksburg, like, what's that going to be like, do you think? A, a lot of these guys like you have grown up watching Strasburg since you were a little kid. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what it's going to be like just because I've never experienced it before, but um, I imagine it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty awesome to watch him pitch. You know, obviously, um, 
he's going to come in here and do his own thing and prepare. So we're going to give him a space and let him do that. So uh, at the end of the day, I think we're all just happy that uh, we can, you know, play behind him in the field uh, here in Fredericksburg. That's a good point. I mean, because he is here to work. It's not a big yeah. league start, but yeah. it's, he's still got his own routine. So are you guys, like, do you wait for him to say something before you talk, or will you go up and dap him up and say hello? Uh-huh. Like, how's that work? I don't really know how that's going to work. <laughs> I mean, whatever happens, happens. I mean, I'm playing in the field tonight, and he's pitching, so I'm sure something something's going to happen, you know, say what's up or something like that. But I know he's trying to get his work in and trying to, you know, get back up to where he wants to be. So uh, I'm just going to give him this space and let him do what he needs to do. So. Let's talk about you and your season. As I mentioned, you're hitting over 300, one of the RBI leaders in the level and with the ball club. It's really been a fast start for you. How do you feel about the progress you've made this quick since being drafted last summer? Um, I feel good. You know, my body feels good. Um, my mind is mentally where I want it to be right now. So uh, just maintaining that throughout the season is kind of my goal and staying healthy and doing whatever I can to help a team put some runs on the board and make the plays on the field to win the game. For Nats fans who haven't seen you, and many of them will be coming down 95 as, as the season goes on and maybe up 95 when you get to Wilmington. Like, how would you describe your game and kind of what you're trying to provide day in and day out when they get to the ballpark? Uh, I say I'm just trying to come out here and put it all on the field each day, you know. I start with 100% when I wake up and whenever I go back to my room at night, I kind of want to have the have, have my body, you know, emptied out and, you know, ready to get some sleep for the next day. So I, I just want to make sure that um, I'm doing whatever I can to, you know, work my hardest and play my hardest and um, help the team win. That's top prospect Brady House live from Fredericksburg ahead of a Steven Strasburg rehab start. Uh, what's your routine like on game day typically when someone like me is not breaking it up and bugging you? How do you go about your day when you get to the ballpark until uh, that first pitch? Um, whenever I get to the ballpark, I'll just get some food in me, go hit a little bit in the cage, some some T-work, some front toss, and then um, you know stretch, throw, team defense, team hitting, and um, after that just prepare my mind mentally for the game. Are you analytically driven? Do you like seeing exit velocities and stuff like that? Or are you more old school? Um, I'd say in the past I just haven't really had the resources to do that. So I'm more kind of just watching what's happening and not really looking at a screen that much. But I'm learning more about it and uh, you know I'm getting better at the analytics side of things. And I'd imagine those resources here are all available to you now. Does, do they have people that kind of teach you along the way? It's, it's, it's almost its own class you could be taking and yeah. what helps, what doesn't. Yeah, they have everything we need um, available um, whenever we want it. And if we have questions, obviously everyone is here to help and, and uh, they'll be able to help you any way that they can if you just ask. So uh, yeah, we have everything that um, you can possibly think of. So, I remember talking to you on uh, MLB Network Radio before the draft, mm-hmm. and I, the question at that time was whether or not you'd stay at shortstop, and you've always been pretty confident, and so far the reports are all awesome in that regard. Mm-hmm. But you're huge just standing next to you. Yeah. I mean, you don't look like a shortstop. You look like a corner infielder, outfielder. Mm-hmm. What's your thought on just that as a possibility at your size? Because you're built like a big leaguer today. Um, I mean, 
size has always been a thing for me. Um, I'm not too worried about it just as long as I can stay mobile side to side and uh, making the routine plays and, and, you know, making those hard plays that are hit to me too. So as long as I can do that and, um, you know, I'm helping the team and helping the pitcher from playing short, then that, that's what I'm happy with. What's been your favorite moment of the season personally so far? I'll probably say Star Wars night. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but a bunch of my best friends that I went to high school with, they're so into Star Wars, and they thought it was the coolest thing that we were wearing, all the Star Wars stuff and all the fans and stuff. So it was pretty hyped to see everyone just happy about a Star Wars night. So. Now, have you seen – my co-host is going to be listening and going nuts. Like, I'm not a Star Wars guy. Have you seen it? Do you know anything about it, or you – out on it i've never seen and i know nothing about star wars <laughs> so that's pretty bad to say but no but maybe now you have to dig in like it, you're yeah. you've made it this far you might as well just keep it going exactly i, I heard that there's there's just too much for me to keep up with the keep up with at this point if if i would start watching now i mean i don't even know where to start so <laughs> we'll see it's a different language all right couple things and then i'll let you go kind of rapid fire here if you weren't a baseball player, what would you want to do with your life? What would you try to get into? I have no idea, actually. I mean, I've never really thought about it yet, but I'm sure I'll cross that path. I don't think you will. You don't have to worry about it at this point. I, I, I hope it never comes, but one day whenever, I, whenever I'm too old and I can't walk or do anything like that, I guess I can figure out something for me to do. So, Stay healthy. Continued success. Stay healthy. Thank you. See you later. So there you go, Brady House from Fredericksburg. He, Jeremy De La Rosa, the top two prospects. Uh, they've got uh, a couple of interesting pitching prospects in Fredericksburg right now, though, if you guys want to make that trip. So I mentioned Jackson Rutledge. I've said for a while I kind of view him as a future reliever. The team's hoping he ends up being a front-of-the-rotation type starter. That's why you draft a guy in the first round. He's huge. He throws really hard. But it's mostly been two pitches, and uh, he hasn't been completely healthy, obviously. But one interesting name. If you go back, so he was the first-round pick in 2019. Cade Cavalli was the first-round pick in 2020. Brady House, who we just had on, was the first-round pick in 2021. If you go back the year before Rutledge, Mason Denneberg, a name that maybe you've, you've forgotten because he hasn't thrown since 19, the, the 2020 COVID shutdown year, he had Tommy John surgery. He just got to Fredericksburg yesterday on the active roster. And I believe we're taping on Wednesday. If memory serves what I was told, it's just top of the head. He's supposed to pitch tonight. So if you're listening to this, check the box score. If this is on Thursday or whatever, Friday when you're listening, you can look him up. But it is his first time pitching in a game in a couple years. Former first-round pick. One of the Nats guys I was talking to said they recently saw him as high as 96 on the gun. So the stuff's really good. But he is, you know, if he could have a really strong season, let's say, the rest of the way, he was a former first-rounder for a reason. Like, that would be a name, perhaps, that would be intriguing for the future that a lot of people outside of the organization have started to give up on just because it's been so long since we've seen him. Yeah, it's one of those things we underrate, I think. How screwy one of the repercussions of this of the dumb pandemic and, and all the kind of fallout was slow development for a lot of prospects, for a lot of guys, right? So for anybody in that 2018, 19, 20, 21 range, as you were coming up through the rankings, you either got put on hold, you didn't get the experience, you didn't get the innings, you didn't, you know, get the at bats. And so some guys were able to kind of fly through that, and it doesn't really matter. For others, it really slowed progress for something that's not linear uh, for a lot of those dudes. I think we underrate that. So I'd completely I mean, if you'd, if you'd sit on the spot right now, who is their 2018 first-round draft pick? I don't think I could have pulled it. I don't think I, I even remembered that Mason Denenberg was a thing. 
So that is good. I'm, I'm glad that he's, you know, I don't want to say on track, but at least, you know, starting to get himself back on the radar. Yeah, and the hope is, you know, and it's that's a long recovery. That's a long road, and we'll yeah. see what becomes. Because he just hasn't been able to, to stay on the field, stay healthy. But uh, but the hope is maybe you can, you know, catch lightning in a bottle there. I mean, he went from being basically one of their top prospects to right now, according to MLB Pipeline, being 29th in their system, which is indicative of, first and foremost, how well they've done over the last year at adding talent, obviously, trades and otherwise. But then also just what the last couple of years have been for him. But he was the 27th pick in 2018. He's 6'4 and about 200 pounds. He's got a really good fastball. I mentioned recently clocked at 96. Uh, curveball's above average. Throws a changeup uh, as a three-pitch guy. But uh, just something to keep an eye on, just something to keep track of as we move forward here. But we have not seen him throw since he was at the rookie level, uh, making four starts back in 2019, three years ago. So just a note there that I picked up while at the ballpark for the podcast. All right, that out of the way. Real quick on Josiah Gray. I felt bad for JoJo. You know he wanted so badly to have a great outing against the Dodgers. I didn't get to watch it. You did, Danny. I was in Fredericksburg, as we've been talking about last night, watching Strauss. But I obviously saw the line, saw that he threw 80 pitches in three innings. This, to me, is a tell as to kind of where you are as a staff. You saw Yo and Adone get worn out. You saw Josiah Gray now have problems. This is the best lineup you'll face. It's not only complete professional hitters one after another, but it's some of the biggest, best stars and bats in the game all in one lineup. And I don't think there's a better lineup in terms of grinding your butt down, like yep. just wearing you out. Good pitch, I'll foul it off. Good pitch, I'll foul it off. Good pitch, I'll take it for a ball. Now you make one mistake and I'm going to barrel it. This lineup, it reminds me of the Nats not just when they won the World Series, but the couple years before that even more so, where they would chase starters in the fifth inning, the fourth inning all the time because everyone would see six, seven, eight pitches, Daniel Murphy and Trey Turner. And, you know, you go through that lineup, Brian Zimmerman, there's no break. Like everybody sees it well. Everyone has a batter's eye and discipline. And you've seen it with these young pitchers like Adon and now Josiah Gray. This is a real test to try to face this Dodgers lineup. Not even from a standpoint of getting hit hard and beat and giving up runs, but I mean just how much they make you work for the things you do right. I think that's well said. You also compound that with that's the team that traded you. Now, Trey Turner didn't trade him or Mookie Betts didn't trade him, but still, the desire to want to do well. I mean, again, this is just a, a fraction of this, but... Uh, I remember the schools that I was also recruited to play that, that that sort of fell off and weren't really as interested as where I ended up going at GW. I wanted to shove it so bad on some of those places, and you know, you grip the sawdust out of the bat, you try that much harder. You could see that that's what it looked like to me anyway. What Gray was doing last night, trying to be perfect, trying to overthrow. You got to stay within yourself, and a team that's that good offensively, as you, as you kind of correctly alluded to, they will punish you. I mean, listen. Mookie Betts said, I think it was actually not off Graves, the second homer of the day. He hit an ankle high slider not on the, the outer first third. The first one, the second one. Yeah, the second one. Mm-hmm. This was because Mookie had two. Um, on a slider that is, by any definition, not a good pitch to hit. He hammered it over the wall in left field. A slider down and away, ankle high. What are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like, that guy's better than your guy. And and that's true. He's better than pretty much everybody's guy. He's an MVP candidate when he's right. So it's one of those rough lessons that, again, this this game always will find ways to humble you, will always find ways to, to let you know that you haven't yet arrived, nothing is solved, you're always developing, you're always trying to get better. Good opportunity there for Josiah Gray to go out and face a lineup like that. But, yeah, he, he was not successful last night. Not, and A, I would say probably didn't have his best stuff. B was trying to overcook it and overdo it and, and be perfect instead of just being himself, which is good enough to get outs at this level. But, yeah, the, the Dodgers punish mistakes, man. You do sleep on, by the way, how good he is as a bowler. 
Josiah Gray? Or Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts. Okay. One of the best bowlers in the land, apparently. They might even have a perfect game to his name, I think. But, yeah, if you look it up, Mookie Betts is like an uh, like a ridiculously good bowler. All right, with that in mind, speaking of bowling, let's do a uh, superlative here. We'll welcome in producer Darius. So what do we got this week? What is our superlative of the week? This week we want to know, which Nationals player do you think would cry at a wedding or to a movie? Oh, interesting. Most likely national to cry as they watch a sad movie or at a wedding. Because love is romantic, and romanticism leads to tears. Yes, of course. Hmm, that's real interesting. All right, Danny, you get us started. I don't have a good answer here. I also have no evidence. I'm just going to go with the first name that comes to my mind, okay? This is what I'm saying. And again, this is not to besmirch anybody. I don't want this person, if it gets back to them, to be like, yeah, this guy Danny on, on Bust and Lose Baseball thinks you're a wussy or something like that. I have no idea. I feel like Yadiel Hernandez... Where's his emotions on his sleeve? Mm. I feel like Yadier Hernandez can relate to the struggle as a guy that didn't make it to the bigs until his, his early 30s, right? And now he's fine, fighting the stick. It's always somebody else's turn. All he does is hit his way back in the lineup. He gets the struggle. And anything that reminds him of that struggle, maybe there's a slight weather system in his eyes. Maybe a little bit of a glisten. That's what I'm going with, with zero evidence. I like that, actually. I don't know why, but it feels good. All right. right. I, I mean, I made it up on the spot. Darius. Who's going to cry at a movie or a wedding? I'm going to take the line of where's their emotions on their sleeves from you, Danny, and go with someone that we actually talked to before on the Grant and Danny show. Josh Rogers is someone that I think wears his emotions on his sleeve, and I can see him watching some really good sports movie, and at the end, when they when they overcome all the adversity, I could see Josh Rogers shedding a tear to that. Josh Rogers is my answer. All right. I'm going to make this three random guys in a row for no reason at all. Steve Ciszek is going to cry at a wedding. And my reasoning is he probably has a kid that's about to get married because he's extremely old. He's old, yeah. Um, I, I kid because I care. He's actually only one year older than me. He's 35. So he's not that old, but for, you know, just being in this clubhouse, you're one of the few, the proudly 35-year-olds. I'll say Steve Ciszek watches a um, some type of a chick flick. And he and his wife are there. They're just kind of enjoying it. And next thing you know, she looks over and she says, are you crying? And he's like, no. No. Not even a little bit. No. So Steve Ciszek, for no reason at all, most likely to cry. And that's our superlative for the day. Uh, Darius, we always like to read a comment or two from the people that are listening to the podcast, hopefully saying nice things. Uh, what do we got? Oh, man. I, I got to say, the people have been outstanding. Look at you, folks. Dropping us reviews. Uh, we still are rated a five out of five on Apple Podcasts. Let's so we, go. Here we, we do go. appreciate that it's very much. The most much. numbers you can have. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to read this review here from Sam M. Jr. He says, love G&D. I love the in-depth Nat, Nats Talk podcast. Was very sad when DCQP ended. Super excited about Bustin' Loose. Oh, that's a throwback to old DC Quick Pitch. Yeah. What's up, Sam? That's a podcast from a couple years ago. That, Tens uh, of people heard it. We wanted to keep doing it, and we were told that uh, that was not a thing yeah, anymore. Yeah, don't do that anymore. Literally, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> and then I got one more here from Katie in Falls Church. She says, baseball aficionados. I'm already a fan of Grant and Danny's baseball analysis on 106.7. So I was so ecstatic when they started this podcast. So far, so excellent. Thank you. Katie. Katie, you're Katie. 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 Here we go, Katie. Here we go. Here we go, Katie. Oh, Katie. Katie. Oh, 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 Katie. Oh, Katie. Oh, oh, Katie. Oh, Come on, Fiverr. So thank you, and keep those reviews coming. We love it. Absolutely. 
Uh, what do you always say, Danny? Rate and review. Rate, review, subscribe, yeah. share, listen 287 times, or you'll have bad luck with your crush. Yeah, definitely 287 times. That's mm-hmm. how many times you should you gotta listen. Do it. Download and listen all the time, every day, every hour. Uh, we do appreciate it, guys. We will talk to you again really soon with episode number seven early next week. If you guys have a guest you want to hear from or any kind of ideas you'd like us to discuss, please hit us up at Grand H. Paulson at Funny Danny. And we're always looking for ideas for the pod, so that would be fun. For now, so long from your crew here at Bustin' Loose Baseball.